0: So starting this thing off, ma'am, how would you describe what it is that you do? Great question. And one that I have gotten a lot since I've
1: left the corporate world and try to explain exactly what I do, it's very multifaceted. And so how I describe myself is I've been blessed with the Dharma currently in this lifetime of being an angel medium, a spiritual guide, an author, a global retreat leader and a speaker and workshop leader, as well as an owner of a yoga studio. So very multifaceted. And people often ask me, well, what is an angel medium? And so I tell people that I help connect people to their guardian angels and spirit guides, which is also actually their higher self, and then loved ones who have crossed over on the other side. And so it's it's come to be a gift that I've unlocked in myself over the course of the last few years actually as a result of some extreme trauma some it's a it's a very overused word trauma but it's it probably if we think about a fear scale of zero to a hundred it was a hundred on my fear scale which caused me to leave a very comfortable corporate job life at goldman sachs where i was a vice president and completely 180 degree turn into this role of being a spiritual guide for people
0: wow. all right so how do we connect with the other side. What's the what's the modality or modalities to be able to tap in? Is it deep meditation?
1: So that's actually how it started for me. And maybe I'll back up a little bit just for a little bit of context to provide the backstory and how it actually unfolded for me. So I grew up in a spiritual family meditating since I was five. And then as an elementary schooler, you kind of get bored with that you want to do the exciting energetic things and so my life progressed i wanted to be an investment banker since the age of 12 reached that pinnacle my mom very suddenly and unexpectedly passed on in 2020 she went for a 30-minute outpatient thumb surgery to fix a partially torn ligament she couldn't be aroused after the surgery was intubated with severe seizure activity and rushed to the er and then was on life support for three weeks before passing on and so that turned my whole world upside down because after that experience, I went back deeper into my meditation practice to seek solace and peace. And I would even I'd go for runs in the morning and just break down crying, or like I'd wake up. I remember this vividly, wake up one morning one night in the middle of the night, and I was sobbing into my pillow. And I touched my pillow and my pillow was soaked. So I was perceivingly crying while in sleep. So it was a really intense emotional turmoil that was truly a hundred on the worst thing that i could ever imagine as i went deeper and back into my meditation practice from my childhood i started to receive messages from outside of myself for the first three months of 2021 and that message was the same message every single day for three months it said you need to help people you need to help people you need to help people and i had no idea what that meant this was the first time i'd ever sort of received any communication like this in meditation and then as that year progressed, I started to notice and and people may resonate with this one is repeating number patterns. And it wouldn't just be like two or three times a day. It would be no exaggeration, 20, 30 plus times a day. Mm. And I was like, the analytical part of me that was an investment banker that really loved numbers was like, okay, there's something really interesting happening here that isn't just coincidence. Like This is way too extreme to be quote, unquote, coincidental. And so what I did is I started to research the energy of numbers, numerology. And so I came to learn that Pythagoras, the ancient Greek philosopher, is actually known as the father of numerology. And he believes that every number in the universe carries an innate vibration, an energetic code to it, basically a signal. And when they're put into specific sequences or repeating patterns or palindromes, they basically carry messages. And so I was like, okay, this is really interesting. How can I start to decode what these numbers are trying to tell me? And I would research and I soon found out that they were called angel numbers. And I was like, okay, angel numbers, like, let's see what this is all about. Eventually I started to receive these, these number sequences and start to receive this form of communication where I could start to believe into it. And you talk about how do we, how do we communicate with the other side? a lot of it starts with your own ability to actually believe it because in the beginning i was like am i going absolutely nuts here like are, am i are people going to think i'm i'm losing it like what's happening and so it's this balance of trying to drop that like egoic part of me into more of that faithful side of me that's like okay there's actually something happening here believe in it listen to it it will expand and then from there i started to Basically see like, okay, if I'm communicating with angels through numbers, can I actually ask for specific signs and receive that back? And so I would ask for specific questions or signs and started to receive that either in writing in the storefront of a window I'd walk past or I'd walk down the the street in New York and overhear a conversation that was almost exactly what I needed to hear. And so I would ask, I would say, okay, if this is really real, like show me this exact person that looks like this on the subway platform next to me. And it was in the middle of the day, like not a a high traffic time for commuting. And I would go and out of like 10 people on the platform, this exact avatar archetype of what I asked for would stand right next to me. And I was like, this is absolutely wild. And then so I was like, okay, can I have like a full-blown dialogue with these angels? And so I'd go into a meditation and I'd basically pull up my angel and be like, start communicating. And then in the beginning, it almost feels a little bit like too good to be true. You're you're almost like, there's no way I'm totally making this up. However, what I've come to realize is that imagination is the bridge to the invisible world. And so that's why kids are so tapped into the spirit world. Yeah. And also from a scientific perspective, I can go so deep into this. Their brainwaves don't rise above a certain level, which leads them in that beta delta state of deep meditation mm-hmm. up until the age of five. However, fast forward and I was like, okay start to have these full-blown conversations with angels, I'd be like, okay, this is pretty epic. Can I communicate with my mom on the other side? And then once that channel was open, that I sort of believed in my ability to communicate with these angels, receive their guidance, understand the path that they're directing me on, that gateway to communicating with my mom completely opened. It was like full felt senses of like her hugging me, full-blown conversations. I would see her... And so that's kind of like the three main ways I actually receive these communications. When I, when I channel for people, it's, um, you may have heard Claire and Claire just is a French word that just means clear. And there's clairs for every sense. So that the three main ways that I receive this is clairvoyance, clairaudience and clairsentience. So I'll receive visions that are very symbolic that are basically like symbols to be decoded or like someone in a, in like a, in a scene that I'm decoding or specific, like icons, like boats, or like, like a palm tree or something that's like, okay, this is a location. And then I'll receive voices. So I'll receive a like full blown conversation with someone. And the last one is like these felt senses, like someone's hugging you, or like you may get goosebumps when someone says something. So those are like the three main ways, but it's a, it's a journey. I know that's a long winded way of, of explaining, but it's a journey that opens up.
0: Yeah, man. But you would say it starts with just simply slowing down and paying attention and being open to the possibility of it?
1: A hundred percent. I think you need to be completely present. And so, and not just completely present, be extremely present. Because when you do so, that allows you to actually peer through the veil of what we're experiencing here on the physical material realm to start to notice these signs of magic or synchronicity, which are actually unfolding in every moment. Yeah. And it's very interesting and topical because recently there was both a USA Today article as well as a podcast that was I got a notification for this morning about people now talking about scientific theories of us living in a matrixed reality. And so if you actually start to feel into that more, what you start to see is that there are signs that are always showing themselves to you at every part of your experience. So like a song that will come on shuffle on, on your playlist or something that just reminds you of something it's, it's really beautiful because when you slow down, as you say, you are able to be extremely present to notice those signs and synchronicities that are happening in actually every single moment that percolates our life.
0: Yeah, I agree. I see it all the time. And it does get to a certain point where it's like, okay, this uh, can't just be a coincidence. It's way too regular. Where's the cameras? Somebody's gonna like, there has to be something else going on. This reaches a certain point where it's like, okay, and you surrender to it, you surrender to whatever that force is. And I think it's interesting that you said, um, It's the angels, but it's actually your higher self, because I feel as though you could look at those as two camps, like two different descriptions, I guess, of what we're talking about, because some people think of angels as like, you know, the classical archangel, Michael, um, and I forget, honestly, I forget other names, but Raphael, yeah, Raphael, yeah, yeah, exactly, or and then higher self can be looked at as something different from that. But you're saying they're actually the same.
1: Yeah. So, so this is the way that I explain it to people. And it's a great question and an awesome catch that you picked up on. The archangels I view as archetypes. So, for example, Michael, archangel of protection, Raphael, healing, Shamuel, love, like these various archangels are sort of these specific symbols or archetypes that if you're going through something where you need this sort of energy to call on that specific angel, because it will align you with that vibration. Mm -hmm. However, when I talk about channeling angels or someone's spirit guides or team, things like that, the way I like to explain it is at the highest levels of consciousness, there is this singularity of source consciousness, this oneness that we all are. And there are Dozens of words that it can go by, the universe, source, spirit, God, whatever you believe in. It's this singularity that we are all from. As this singularity becomes more dense, it becomes more and more fractalized. And so think about light, for example, becoming more and more dense, and it starts to become fractalized. And on some of the deepest layers of this fractalization, you have these dense human bodies that we, that's what, that we live in. There's eight billion of us. You can't see through us. we're quite opaque and we are a fractalization of this singularity. Well, as you pull that singularity and fractalization back up into itself, you have the higher densities. Those densities are where faster frequencies of light energy live. And so, if you think about our perception as humans, we can only see with our eyes the visible spectrum of light, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. However, there are all different types of energies that percolate our existence that we may not see so microwaves x-rays uv rays gamma rays radio waves they're all different forms of energy that are, are around us that we can't see with our eyes and so on these higher densities there are faster frequency energy beings and so this is what i call angels on some of these higher levels and similarly because you are pulling that fractalization back up into itself that fractalization is actually you at a higher density so it is your higher self that is becoming more and more fractalized becoming more and more dense and similarly i'll just say this is one last point the, this fractalization these angels your higher self are time agnostic so while we operate on the human linear perception of time of having a past present and a future they see all possible timelines that we can take sitting in this infinite present moment and will guide us towards what is in our highest good and highest wisdom as it stands from being in this present moment
0: oh that's pretty powerful. Mm. So it's pretty much a hierarchy of light that stems from the one light of God, and then gets as it goes down the pyramid, I guess you could say gets um, more or less and less dense down to the material world where we have the laws of physics. But as you go higher and higher, it starts to starts to bend the laws a little bit, right?
1: So, so you say an interesting word that I really pick up on, which is hierarchy. And so um, I don't necessarily view it as a hierarchy because if all is one, then all is part of this singularity. There is no hierarchy, so to speak, of as one being sort of being better than another or being more advanced or anything like that, because it is all part of this innate oneness. And so it all carries aspects of this singularity that is within every part of every density it's just what's the awareness of that singularity at each density but you're right as as this sort of it's like a pyramid i guess if you want to look at it's like as this singularity becomes more and more dense it becomes more and more fractalized and becomes more of them And as you pull it back up into itself a really interesting book on this is actually the raw contact teaching the law of one Mm. it's Mm. um it talks about sort of densities and so I take a little bit of, of experience or anecdotes from there, as it relates to densities mixed with also my own personal experience of what I'm receiving from this.
0: Yeah. I resonate greatly with that too. And it seems to be the goal from what the law of one describes essentially is we are, um, we're like evolving to the higher densities. It's like the goal of life isn't just uh you know accumulate wealth and material things as as they tell you it's more so to i guess lighten up you know literally lighten up like lighten your being to connect with uh these other light beings that are actually just really you (laughs) it's um yeah it's quite peculiar so we do that through meditation i think i already asked you like what is what are the basic most fundamental like some say somebody is like 100 percent on board with what we're talking about right now what's the path to this the path to tap into the angels is it like what would you recommend as like a a rigid structure to somebody's life i mean i would say regular meditation what would you say
1: that's that's absolutely how it started for me and so it, it became like in the beginning because my meditation practice fell off In my corporate life when i was working 80 to 100 hours a week in banking when i after my mom passed on i went back into my meditation practice very intentionally and i think that is actually one of the key differences that actually created this difference shift in me because growing up i wasn't intentional about what i was doing at all i was doing it because my parents wanted me to do it i was doing because you know they were like oh like come to the meditation chapel with us and sit still and don't shuffle your body or respond to every itch on your face and i was like that that was hard but it like over time it trained me but when i went through this intense pain i was like okay i need to be very intentional about why i'm doing this so every time i sat down to meditate i was like what's my intention with this meditation to go deep into ex- like the extreme piece of spirit and to like feel that percolate my body to carry that with me through the rest of the day, so meditation is number one. That will change your life. And then over the course of the last handful of years, I kind of was like, the t- you know, Tim Ferris, who who knows like five hour body, five hour work week,
0: a little
1: bit, yeah, four hour whatever. It, I. I, uh, I kind of, he's like kind of this like biohacker guy, but I kind of became like the Tim Ferriss of spirituality where I would like tweak different parts of my daily schedule to be like, okay, what actually helps me maintain this sense of inner peace or connection longer? So it'd be like anything from now what my practice is, is I'll wake up in the morning immediately. Once my alarm goes off, say three things I'm grateful for. Mm. And then I'll say what's called a most benevolent outcome, which is basically calling in angelic guidance to segment intend how you want your entire day to go to basically receive that energy from them. And so that's the first thing I'll do before I even get out of bed. From there, right after it's meditation. Cuz when you wake up, you're still in that alpha state of mind, in that brainwave state of activity which is known as your center. And so when you're in that alpha state, it actually makes you much easier to it makes it much easier for you to tap into those higher etheric planes. So meditation actually right after waking up or right before sleep is really powerful. Meditate, I'll journal, and then I'll read some spiritual texts, like even just five pages or whatever, because what I've realized it does is it just gets your brain in that mindset for the rest of the day, and then you can carry that energy with you. And so that sort of like morning practice, which actually does take a little bit of time, has been so important that I now go to bed earlier in order to wake up to do this couple hour practice.
0: I see. Yeah. As I go further and further along the path, I realize that the body is just like an instrument we have to tune. And it's not hard to tune it. It's really not. It's also not hard to untune it. (laughs) You know, Um, so you just I guess it's intentionality. Yeah. It's all about intentionality with how we live and don't let the world, the illusion of Maya sweep us away because either way, we're going to be tuned either way. We're, we're playing some kind of song. So I guess it's just play the song of God, you know, play the song of the logos of the spirit of Mm. angels and uh, it'll lead the way. Either way we're being tuned though. Either way, there's some kind of intention in our actions, whether we are aware of it or not, there's there's always um, there's energy coming forth from this instrument of the body, so just uh, it seems to be just being able to tune yourself right regularly too every day. It can't just be like, you know, every Sunday I go to yoga practice, and that's my thing. It's like no this is this is a lifelong journey, like you said at the beginning, this is a journey, and it can't just be like a, a half ass thing. This is literally every day. Um, and that may seem a little uh it may seem just like a lot right like a a, like a burden almost like why would i want to do this every day man i got i gotta put food on the table i got shit to worry about but it's worth it i don't know how else to explain it man like it's worth it to find some kind of peace like some kind of uh flow i guess you could say with life a little less inertia
1: yeah i'll bring it back to actually something you mentioned just a handful of minutes ago which is about becoming more light basically. And it's, yeah. everyone talks about these terms, frequency, vibration, even says the word like high vibe or like I vibe with that, or that's yeah, good yeah. vibes. Like it's, <laughs> it's literally short for vibration. Mm-hmm. And so even physicists, quantum physicists have talked about this since the 1800s. Um, basically everything operates in energy, frequency, and vibration. And so the actions that we do on a daily basis all carry a vibration with them. And you innately know within your consciousness, and you are a conscientious being, what carries a good habit or a bad habit for you. And you kind of know, you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. I kind of wasted some time there. I shouldn't just mindlessly scroll through social media for, for 45 minutes. You you know that. And so all of your energy actually then percolates within to your, into your mind, into your brain, and through the concepts of neuroplasticity, create grooves within neurons. So they'll basically, neurons that fire together, wire together. And once two neurons are connected and create a path, you can't unsee that aspect of perception. And so it's just a matter of how deeply embedded are our grooves of bad habits versus our grooves of good habits. Yeah. And what kinds of things do we do on a daily basis that either raise our energetic vibration or lower them? And so people always ask me this around... What kinds of things raise or lower your vibration well things that really lower your vibration are things like complaining the word hate like i can't get can't emphasize enough how much the word hate simply by saying that lowers your vibration and we say it all the time a lot of people in terms of like oh, i hate this i hate this food i can't that really lowers your energy mm. uh fear um excessive use of sort of anything so like alcohol for example is is one that actually i i stopped yeah. drinking because i realized uh over a year ago that it closes the channel that i'm able to create with the higher realm so i was like that's done easily mm-hmm. and so uh, like gossiping all of these yeah. sorts of energies anger. that sorry anger anger yeah totally like all of this sort of energy is something that like lowers your frequency your vibration things that lift it up things like literally as simple as meditation drinking water yoga s- spreading love love is the highest vibration so mm-hmm. just literally giving love to anything even yeah. a pet being like i love you to your pet mm-hmm. which honestly they don't probably probably don't hear enough that kinds of stuff like l- it raises your energy
0: yeah yeah i like to say um we have a diet of food but we also have an energetic diet and. I think it's pretty much through our five senses, you know, maybe more senses are stronger to the energetic diet. But it's really about what we're intaking. We're intaking all the time, whether it's music, um, the people we hang out with, literally the food. Food's huge, actually. That's probably number one. Huge. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. Um, What else is there, man? The movies we watch. Mm the the books we read everything everything that we're an intake we're an input output machine where we're essentially just really complicated robots if you want to look at it like that so like what you put in um is what you're going to put out and what you put in is how you're going to feel too so it's it's really it's simple in that way but i guess like you said it's like how do we know what to put in the more you tap into yourself it'll just come naturally it'll be more intuitive you'll know when you mess up i know when i mess up mm. I'm like oh i should, probably shouldn't have did that so yeah. yeah more on the point of meditation the more we meditate and tap in with this higher self this inner discernment whatever it is the more it'll just lead the way in all of our actions
1: and you hit on something really 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 important and so oftentimes we're so bombarded with our external realities of being like, oh, I got to do this for work to make money, or I got to go do this for the kids or my family, or I have so much to do. All of this stress actually in our life is completely self-created. Mm. And what happens is when you actually go inside, make the time to, to go into yourself, that is actually when some of the greatest growth and expansion can take place because you, and everyone talks about living in flow and things just coming to them and feeling seamless and magically meeting people that help them sort of grow or offer them business opportunities. It's really interesting because when you go inside into meditation, not only do you strengthen that muscle of intuition, but you connect to yourself to something much higher and out of yourself And then when you are connected in that frequency and state, people will naturally start to be attracted to you. People will say, oh, wow, I love your energy. Like people will want to spend time in your energy field. You talk about you are the aggregation of the five closest people you surround yourself. Why? Well, that's another energetic vibration point because people vibrate at frequency. And so when you start to shift your frequency, you start to then attract more into your life. Topical words these days are law of attraction, manifestation, like, well, how does that actually work? Well, it actually works because you are shifting your resonant energy. And so that's why meditation is actually the key, because we think that we need to do, do, do all of these external things. And while we do have obligations, absolutely. Our number one obligation is actually to seek and align our will with divine will first and foremost, because when that is aligned, we can work on a path that is Feeling like we're slowing down, but speeding up at the same time to get more accomplished in a clear, clearer state of mind. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, man. Um, it might sound crazy to <laughs> people who don't know any better. It, it might sound even corny and cliche because like you said, we've all heard it before. We know the movie, The Secret and the uh, manifestation. And there's someone that doesn't do it, right? From the outside, a layman just ta- listening to us talk. They're like, what are these crazy guys talking about? <laughs> but when you do it, when you actually set aside time to go within yourself, the proof is in the pudding. Stuff just does flow in one's life. And it's like, yeah, the doing doesn't go away. It just makes the doing easier. It just seems, uh, Mm. yeah, just uh, just more flow-like. I don't know how else to explain it, man. Let me ask you this one. When you were working for Goldman Sachs, right on Wall Street, and you you heard us talking now, would you believe any of it? Would you think it was craziness?
1: No, and and you actually hit on something I talk about in my book, which is it's called banking on angels. And and what I talk about is actually if I were to to hear someone talk about the words manifestation or law of attraction, I would just be like. This person is just lazy and they don't want to work hard. <laughs> and because in that mindset, I was just like all about the, the grind. Basically, it was like the only way to get ahead is you have to grind, you have to do and you have to tire yourself out and you have to like literally be exhausted at the end of every day. And I realized that <clears throat> that just is a mindset. That's just a belief. It is whatever you choose for it to be. And I even went back and had a conversation with my old boss about uh, a year ago, and uh, and she was like, uh, she's like, oh, you know, I'll do a, I'll do breath like a breathwork class with you, but you know, the, the angel stuff is just a little t- too much for me. Like, I'm not gonna, I don't really know if that stuff is real. So, I, I will say that, like, no, like it, even as short as as three four years ago, I would have been like, you're absolutely crazy. Like, this yeah. guy's gone off the deep end
0: yeah i mean it's just because we weren't um i guess conditioned in that way to think that it's even a possibility all of our lives we were just put in this like illusion this very very narrow sighted way of living in the world Um, and I guess the process, the path is us just opening up the aperture of the camera a little bit, seeing what's really going on, seeing the possibility, seeing what you really are beyond the five senses, beyond the material world. And it's tough if you're just, if you're just stuck in that, which I was, if you're just stuck in that, it's so hard to make sense of angel talk and higher self talk and intuition and law of attraction stuff, because it doesn't it's kind of like goes beyond rationale, you know, it goes beyond logic, the the <laughs> the zero and one binary thinking that we mm-hmm. are conditioned into the, the zero, the dualistic world, literally a dualistic world that we're conditioned into. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. So it's hard man to like snap yourself out of it. But once you get the glimpse and you get the taste of uh, a little bit more of potential that we are, it's like you can't unsee that. So so, yeah. I don't know. Where, where no, there's
1: yeah, no, there's actually two things that this this brings up in my mind. And the first one is actually in the mid-early to mid 1980s, the US Army actually commissioned a project and it's called the Gateway Report. And the entire document is about 30 pages, is a conversation, basically like a research report on that the army conducted on meditative states, astral traveling, how to connect into sort of having these intense out-of-body experiences, non-localized consciousness. And the report is actually fascinating because it goes deep into basically spiritual theory of what all of these spiritual teachings around the millennia have taught us. And it even explains like, of course, it's hard to conceptually understand it because and the, the Gateway Report explains it really well in this sense of if you think about a completely flat sort of experience. So like, think about just like a, a line or like an ocean, a completely flat ocean. There's no way for the ocean to experience itself. It's just this solid singularity of flat line. But in order for the ocean to begin to experience itself, for example, consciousness to begin to experience itself. Well, it needs to have sort of these jutting out points. It needs to create a separation from that singularity, from that flat line of the ocean. Vertical from the horizontal. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you're creating a dimension basically in order to experience yourself. So, we talk about being in the third dimension. Well, that's because in order for us to experience, we have to create these dimensions of ourselves in order to, to live a human experience on a on a spectrum of duality. Otherwise, we're just basically energy consciousness, which is just extremely just moving around and, and experiencing stuff as consciousness, which is a completely different experience than living in these dense human bodies, which is fractalized and in a different dimension, basically. And then the other aspect that I want to bring up that that what you talked about triggered is something that is also now gaining a ton of popularity is psychedelic research and using psychedelics as an avenue to start to open up new pathways of consciousness. Yeah. So things like psilocybin, I know ketamine therapy is getting really big. These things, ayahuasca, for example, these things are like, what I've come to realize is like, they're kind of, they're window shopping, but they're actually a good window shopping. If you're trying to expand yourself and, and, just basically creating that neurological pathway. Because as we talked about, once true neurons fire together and see a perceived reality in a different way, you can't unsee that. Yeah. So they're really positive and beneficial for allowing you to open up into this realm and, and have this experience. But the true way to actually go into it is through meditations. That's why I call it window shopping. It's like a quick way to connect to an ability to see through a different window. But if you really want to go through that window... It's what sages have been doing for hundreds of years.
0: Yeah. It's like if you really want to know that it's possible and feel like it's possible and really. Yeah, it just it grants me some kind of knowing. Like uh, I always had this sense. I'm talking about psilocybin experiences. I always had this sense of um, wonder, just always wondrous at the world, at the mystery that we were in. Always just a sense of curiosity to the mystery. And then I got into psychedelics and it confirmed the mystery. It opened up the mystery and said, Yeah, keep going. You're on the mm-hmm. right path. It it um it allowed me to have that inkling, that little that little like that curiosity of like maybe, maybe there's more to life than meets the eye. That maybe it confirmed that maybe even more so you know and that eventually led me down the mystical path i guess you could say um of the sage you know <laughs> following the path mm-hmm. knowing that these guys aren't crazy like all the the sages and swamis and yeah. monks that have come before us i realized like oh these guys are on <laughs> so let me uh let me learn from them and uh yeah i revere psychedelics forever for that reason
1: i i have a question for you because li- over the course of really the past couple of months, conversations around psychedelics has picked up so dramatically in my sphere in terms of people I went to high school with, parents of people I went to high school with talking mm-hmm. about now psychedelic therapy, being interested in it. And so these are typically people who who may not have had a psychedelic experience before. They're, they're, they either may be from an older generation that was around during this war on drugs or yeah. similarly are not, you know, privy to what psychedelics can actually offer i'm so interested to hear from you based on this background that you just explained what do you feel is one of the most powerful or biggest takeaways from having a introductory psychedelic experience in a way that is sort of very mindful to help you grow and expand in this in this way and sort of the space that is uh that's set for this
0: I would say the most beneficial thing is opening the door to a new way to see yourself, see yourself uh, in you know, in the way of purpose, you know what I mean? Like see yourself in the way that, uh, how do I put this man? A new way to see yourself and then from that glimpse into a new way to see yourself, a new way to live and it's just mm-hmm. a glimpse it's like it's not everything but it's i think i mentioned this before it's an opening up to the possibility and the potential to live differently and it's a confirmation like when you're in that state when you're in a high dose psych like, well i guess it doesn't have to be high dose but i guess you can just say a, a psychedelic state of mind the truth and this may seem corny and cliche but i'm gonna say it, the truth is so apparent it's so just your intuition opens up something just opens up and shows you the way shows you the way to be happy i guess or the way to just find joy and you may find it in the moment and then eventually you come down but it's like that joy and that path to joy that idea of the path to joy it doesn't leave i don't know i'm speaking personally it may be different for other people, but I feel like it just opens us up to a different direction in life. If you're open to it, I guess not everybody, not everybody, but I think there's a, there's a huge potential um, to open one up to the possibility of living differently and actually truly enjoying this life. Wow. I love that. I think extraordinarily well said.
1: And I, I I wholeheartedly feel that. And again, the word that sticks out to me most is the word joy. Like there, there is so much joy. And when you are connected into that feeling of higher consciousness, higher self, God, spirit, universe, whatever you want to call it, you realize that that is the essence of ever new joy. It's yeah. a joy that that continually refreshes and renews. It's a joy that doesn't end. It's not a temporal joy where maybe it's like you go to a concert and you get to have joy for like two hours or three hours and then you come home and you're like, oh wow, that's so fun. But it's this joy that's like this perpetual state of living in that connection. And then once you're in that, it's almost like you don't want to necessarily leave it or you can actually bring it back with you to operate in your daily life as you go about what you do here on this plane. Like, as you say, it's like, just like psychedelics, maybe aren't for everyone. Similarly, being a Swami or a Yogi and just dedicating your life to asceticism maybe isn't for everyone. Some people are meant to operate in the world and also have that sense of connection. But if you're able to tap into that, bring back that infinite source of prana, chi, Key, like this word of life force energy that percolates every ancient tradition, if you bring that back into what you're doing on a daily basis, well, then you enliven the work that you do as well as everyone that surrounds you with that same prana, that same chi life force energy. And that's when you start to vibrate at that sense of, wow, I really love your energy.
0: Yeah. And also it really opened me up to the magical world that we are in. It opened me up to like how beautiful This life really is just a clear and concise way of just breaking through the matrix, if you want to say that, you know, piercing the veil and seeing through the illusion, the narrative of the ego. Mm -hmm. And yes, one can see that joy is not found in the senses, you know, it's not found in the pleasures of our life, the comings and goings. It's found in really connecting to God every day, always. That's really what we're supposed to do here. And I hate to say supposed to because, you know, we have free will. We're free. I'm going to call you
1: out on saying the word hate right there.
0: I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Strongly
1: dislike. dislike. Strongly dislike. dislike. There you go.
0: I dislike saying supposed to. But I feel as though if you want joy, which I think we all do, you're supposed to connect with a higher essence than just yourself, you know, your humanly self mm-hmm. in the comings and goings of yourself. Um, that's what I'm coming to find. 100%, <laughs> it, it's, uh,
1: it, I don't know if you've heard of um, a yogi named Paramahansa Yogananda. He wrote this book called, uh, yeah. He wrote the book, Autobiography of a Yogi. Uh, I actually was raised on his path of self-realization fellowship from, that's how I started meditating at the age of five. And something that he said that really sticks with me is, Change is the nature of matter, changeless is the nature of spirit. Mm. And and it's true because everything in this reality that we're living in will always change. Even birthdays, for example, are a celebration of the impermanence of our life. We are <laughs> consistently changing. Yeah. However, who is the one that looks in the mirror at the age of five, at the age of 10, at the age of 20, at the age of 30. And while the body is consistently changing. That one who is observing the one looking in the mirror is eternal, is changeless. And so that's actually, interestingly, coming back to communicating with the other side, that is actually the the conduit that allows you to communicate with the other side. Once you align yourself with that changeless soul essence, being the observer of the observer, Mm. you are then tapped into that spirit of yourself, which is infinite and then as a result, you can similarly communicate with the infinite spirit that is on the other side in a different form of energetic frequency. Yeah,
0: well said. Now, would you say that once we tap in and we establish, I guess, the right rituals and habits to tap in, that it leads one down a path of uh, service, of, natural selflessness in our life
1: yes (laughs) yes i'll say yes service is number one to me because you may have heard the golden rule treat others how you want to be treated yeah well well why is that well it's because everyone is you you are everyone if you think about there's a few ways to explain this if you think about a spotlight for example and this spotlight is cut into many different sections, cross sections, so that each little, there's little boxes on the spotlight that create the whole spotlight. That spotlight is shining down on earth. Every single person is one of those boxes in that spotlight. Well, if you think about it that way, we are all from this exact same spotlight. We are actually this one spotlight that is just shining down on earth. That is just taking a fractal of this, this player, this piece. And so if you actually look at it that way, well, you're me and I'm you. We are from the same spotlight. You are the same light energy that I am. Why would we ever want to cause harm to someone? Why do we ever want to hurt, destroy, cause pain, anything but love someone? Because you're actually doing that to yourself. A really awesome also way to explain this is, I don't know if you're a a Disney fan or a Marvel fan. Have you, have you seen the show? Um, uh, gosh, when I blank on it. Um, with the camera i'm totally blanking out on it now <laughs> it, 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 it's it's this analogy of uh i completely forgot that show but it's it's where she uh wandavision oh there it is okay. uh, have you have you heard of that i've heard of it i haven't seen it though so so the concept is there's this this character wanda who has this ability to basically she creates this reality in a segment of the world that we live in, but everyone in this basically bubble that she lives in is sort of brainwashed by Wanda. They're like programmed by Wanda to sort of play this role. And so the way I also view it is like, we are all Wandas live like creating our own reality, but we have forgotten that we are all Wandas. So we're all co-creating the same reality together. We're all players in the same simulation, but through this veil of forgetting when we come down into the earth, we forget that we are actually these co-creators that are from this same beam of light. Yeah. So.
0: Mhm. Yeah, man. <sighs> so the path for all of us is to just come back into the light, slowly and slowly refine ourselves into the one. Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah. Totally. All individual individual digits of the same hand.
0: Mhm. Yeah it's so true man and once you see it you can't unsee it that's the thing even if i wanted to even if i really really tried to take the blue pill it wouldn't work i already took the red it wouldn't work man like once you see that all is one and one is all and i'm you you're me we're all just this one giant organism this super organism that really goes beyond belief and explanation but once you see it and you feel it it becomes quite apparent and there's like a certain uh you can sense incongruence in your being like when you're not acting according to the one it's just so apparent and it just hurts there's almost like the pain the pain that you cause to the world to essentially someone that you don't see as yourself you feel it within yourself and it's just like this i don't know how to explain it man other than just it's so obvious you know it's so obvious when we sin i guess you could say i think that's why we suffer in sin though it's to, like wake us up the pain is, is mm-hmm. the suffering is to to get us on the straight and narrow back to the one you know at the end of the day i feel i see that as what the purpose of suffering is and yogananda actually said that this is a story i've told before but i'm going to say it again um yogananda met with ramana maharshi one time and uh I would love to be a fly on the wall at that meeting, to be honest with you. But he asked him, what's the you know, because we as we explained, the, the purpose of life is to connect with God, connect with the one. But he said, why? Why can't we do it without suffering? You know, why? Why why do we have to suffer? Why do we have to go through this pain in order to connect with the one? Because essentially, that's what gets us on the straight and narrow, right? We, it's a lesson. All of our suffering is essentially a lesson. Um. And Ramana Maharshi pretty much said, that's just how it be, man. That's just how it is. There's no other way to go about it. For some reason, written in the code, written in the matrix of this reality, our suffering is actually grace. Mm -hmm. It's actually leading us back into alignment with the one, and there's no other way to go about it. So, I mean, that's the big switch too, is seeing that our suffering seeing that the pains and the woes of the body and all of the all of our experience it's uh i was gonna say it's not a bad thing that may seem just a very like uh, shallow way to speak about it but it's really it's not you know you can see as everything is for us (laughs) you know
1: that's exactly you hit it spot on you said exactly what i was just gonna say Once you see that everything is happening for us, for your highest good and wisdom, it changes everything. And I'm not saying spiritually bypass or ignore emotions. It's actually important to completely feel the depth of the emotion, to completely feel the depth of the experience. Because what happens so often these days is our suffering is actually created because of our expectation that we want something to be different than it actually is. But if you can actually sit with the complete entirety of what is in full self-acceptance, completely integrate that, then treat that situation with gratitude Mm. because then what you can do is consciously let it go. So this overthinking, anxiety, stress, all of this pressure that we're dealing with, well, feel all of it, treat all of it with gratitude because it's actually happening for you. And then you can choose to consciously let it go And then you can repattern into choosing what you actually want. Yeah. So it's this kind of like this four-step process, but it actually is realizing that how can we close the gap to realizing everything is happening for us and practicing this concept of what I like to call gratitude in the now. So for example, how can we be grateful for everything that's happening? So for example, someone, I rented a car out in Spain, someone was driving it and they pulled into a driveway and completely scratched the entire side of the car, like bad damage. And in the beginning, I freaked out. I was like, oh my God, you got to be effing kidding me. And then I was like, wait, hold on. If everything is happening for me, how can I practice gratitude right now? And I was like, you know what? I'm actually, I'm actually grateful for this. And I don't know why. I don't know why this had to happen right now or in some way, but I'm grateful because oftentimes we'll look back at a situation three months, five years, 10 years down the line and be like, you know, there was a silver lining to that situation. This wouldn't have happened if that didn't happen. Well, how do we actually close that gap from 10 years later to moments later after we fully experience what we need to feel and release that? Then practicing that gratitude in the now saying, okay, I don't know where this situation is going to take me, but I'm grateful that this happened because this is leading me to exactly where I need to be because life is flowing through me for me. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm
0: that's the way it's the truth i like that gratitude in the now no matter what sometimes it's pretty tough for sure Mm -hmm. but i think um yeah there's no other way like there's no other way once you can fully realize that everything is for me well there's no exceptions to that rule (laughs) you know even when it seems like it's not life will always it seems to be always throwing me a test you know and um it's up to us to pass the test to be present enough in whatever situation, whatever is going on, whatever darkness may come up in the movie of life, be present with that and say, how is this happening for me? How is? And the answer might not be in that moment actually either. That's what I've come to realize. Yeah. Um, you might not even ever find the answer, but somehow some way it's happening for us. Maybe even in another lifetime, you know, you could extend that far if you really want to. But somehow, some way, everything is happening for us eventually to bring us back into the loving embrace of God, to be honest. Truly. Yeah. It's also remembering to an extent that you created this
1: reality. And if mm-hmm. you want to think about it more on more of the soul level, well, the soul, there's so many books I can recommend here: Journey of Souls by Michael Newton, the soul chooses its path before it enters the existence. And it doesn't know exactly what's going to happen in its entirety, but it knows sort of these big milestones that are going to happen. If you actually think about it that way, well, okay. I chose this body, chose this role to experience its consciousness as itself so that I can learn and grow and evolve. I chose some of these instances And similarly, I put everyone here on my path as some form of a teacher or a growth mechanism, either this relationship or this difficult life situation that I had to go through, death of a loved one, whatever that might be. The number one thing that actually breaks karmic cycles then is forgiveness. And it becomes then self-forgiveness because if everything has been self-created as a soul choosing to experience its reality as a way to experience the embodiment of consciousness then self-forgiveness is how you actually say okay i I forgive myself for feeling these intense difficult emotions how can i move forward from here now
0: yeah very true shout out jesus (laughs) he tried to tell shout out
1: ascended masters
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're all saying the same thing honestly it's all the way is the way is the way Mm -hmm. they're all saying the same thing what we're talking about now has been spoken about for thousands and thousands of years probably a lot more eloquently to be honest with you but it's the same message it's the same message man tap in refine oneself and then from that refinement we act differently we act more sattvic you could say yeah and thus we create a new world
1: Truly, and then and then and then Sadhana becomes your your daily practice yeah, of just living life. You you live in that state. Yeah, man. So yeah, share share that love with everyone. If there's one one key takeaway, share share your love with everyone and everything because that's actually how you become this lighter body. Yeah, right. Even if you think about the chakra system, we have seven chakras, three lower, three upper. What's the one that connects the lower to the upper? The heart. That's what we're here to do. To mm. expand that energy. Let's live in the heart.
0: Live in the heart. That's it. It's the connection yeah oh living in the heart man that's really what it's about love is the way it really is that's the biggest corny cliche thing we've all heard that before but that's the truth
1: man. i mean i mean why do you think there's so many love songs written poems yeah. stories about love books essays like dramas musicals like like love is everything yeah and if we're and that's the one mechanism that we don't necessarily know how it works on a scientific level. Einstein actually even wrote a number of letters to his daughter that were published decades after his passing for his request. And he talks about that in one of his letters. He talks about love being the most powerful essence that science has yet to explain mm. how it how it is created, how it is magnetized. But it is actually, in my belief, one of our core purposes here to create and to love.
0: Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. It's... um. I don't think we'll ever be able to explain it. And that's the beauty of it. It's the constant mystery of love that persists through all of our darkness and turmoil of life. Somehow, some way, love always persists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're never going to be able to explain that. That's what it's all about, though. It is. Mm. Yeah, man. Damn. It always comes down to love in my talks, man. It always comes down to it.
1: (laughs) Always a reoccurring theme. It's always like, oh, it just ends at this one point, which is actually the explanation of everything. It's like a hitchhiker's guide to the universe where they boil
0: down the, the universe to this one number. And it's like, well, no, hold on. Wait, it's love. Yep. That's it. It's so simple. It's hidden in plain sight. It's so simple. I don't know, man well, Hey, on that note, do you want to wrap this thing up? I'd love to wrap it up. Thank you for, for having
1: me on. It's been an absolute blessing of a conversation. I've had a lot of fun
0: for sure. Yeah, this was good. This was a good one. Um, you got any last words, anything else you want to say?
1: I mean, honestly, just continue to shine your light, live in loving service. You know, if there is one thing I can leave people with it is to number one thing is just let go. There's so much that so many people are holding on to right now mm. and the dissolution of the ego and the falling into that state of love starts with actually letting go. It's like, yeah. you're walking up a skyscraper, you're walking up and up and up past the 10th floor. You pass the 20th floor, 30th, 40th, 50th floor. You walk out on the 53rd floor of the skyscraper and you there's a balcony. And you walk on this balcony and there's no railing and you continue to walk and you walk to the edge and you think that when you step off, you're going to die and you're going to be gone. And the ego says, no, we're not, we're not doing this. We're not stepping off here. And you actually end up stepping off and you end up floating. You end up being completely held. And that is how I view what happens when you let go. It's so freaking scary as you walk up to the edge and you're like, there's no way I can't let go of this story. I can't let go of this narrative. I'm going to fall. I'm going to die. But that's the ego actually dying. The ego, when the ego dies, it doesn't want to not have a use for itself. Yeah. But when you end up walking into that surrender, walking into that letting go, that is when you actually end up realizing you are capable of so much more than you can even imagine
0: beautiful well said let go in love there you yeah well thank you neil this is wonderful thanks um, gary keep doing your thing keep spreading the good word and uh yeah that's it wish you all the best and thank you to anybody that listened this song as well appreciate you let's keep on keeping on let go in love there you go. lots Nothing of like love lots of love peace peace and love